We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Mets fans? Jack Mandel here for another Brooklyn Buzz and another Nets lost. The Nets go down in hilariously awful fashion, 112 to 85 to the New Orleans Pelicans away from home. Happy New Year to all Nets fans. Maybe not so happy with the way that the Nets have been going lately, that is for sure. I, I'll give some quick game thoughts before getting into some much needed other topics and Twitter questions. Thank you for everyone that hit me up uh, in the replies. I'll be sure to get to them very, very shortly. But the game notes for tonight are as simple as this. Cam Johnson, good. Nick Claxton, okay. Dayron Sharp, good. Nice block on Zion Williamson. Everything else, shit. Like, that's basically it. Cam Thomas didn't hit a field goal. His rhythm was just not there. Of 11 from the field, minus 14 was just bad. All the net starters were bad outside of a clacks a little bit. And Cam Johnson, Spencer Dimwitty didn't hit a field goal either. The net's offense was, like, disgustingly bad. Like, disgustingly bad. They were 35 of 98 from the field, just under 36%. 11 of 43 from three, 25.6%, and only got to the free throw line eight times. With a team that doesn't have an amazing rim protector in Jonas Valanciunas. So and there was just, it's hard to sort of pick out what's worse out of the Nets offense than the Nets defense right now. Because I think it was Doug Norrie of Locked On Nets tweeted out that the lowest score this season the team has put up is 82, and it's put up 85. They weren't as bad as that, but if you're in the 80s, in the modern NBA where three-point shooting is as easy as it can be and pacing and spacing and the amount of possessions that you get, like the Nets' offense of late has been disgustingly bad. Like it's been putrid with a capital P. There's no creativity. There's no dynamism. There's no fluidity. It's just pick and roll, kick out, one shot. There's no, there's just no like sense of it's hard to sort of explain it's just very stale like it's like old bread old bagels bad and then you throw a bit of cream cheese or a bit of butter and vegemite on those things at least those things taste half good but there is just nothing to like grasp within this team that is positive right now like literally nothing and those pistons games are the only two wins that we've had in the past 
10 or 11 games, I think it is. I don't have a heap of stats off the top of my head right now, guys. I've got just just some bad vibes and some bad feelings, which is the opposite of what the, the Nets culture was trying to necessarily cultivate. So, yeah, let's just... Let's just say that and let's get to maybe some of the questions. Let me see if I've got any other little quotes here, other little notes. Oh, yeah, uh, we got some news on Lonnie Walker, who's hopefully, he's as I alluded to in the last game, uh, there was optimism that he could be back against either the Pelicans or the Rockets. It seems more likely that he'll be back at home against the Thunder on Friday. Uh, take with that what you will obviously Lonnie has been great for the Nets this season and he will certainly give the Nets an offensive spark that they so sorely need he's not going to solve all of the Nets issues by any stretch of the imagination but having one of the better offensive players if not top three top four uh, it's gonna be something Uh, Ben Simmons there was an update by him during the game yes during the game that's how down bad we are uh, in the Nets media, Ryan Lewis has uh, tweeted out this. Ben Simmons has taken another step forward in his recovery from a nerve impingement. When the Nets get back from the road trip, sources say, sources say it's obviously his management or Ben directly, he'll be cleared to go 2-on-2 on court, likely versus the coaches, then 3-on-3, 5-on-5, etc. Cool, I guess. Like, I mean, the Nets were looking okay with Ben when he was back, so maybe... Maybe the Nets do need Ben Simmons back. Maybe just having a, a full team. I think I said, come over on the preseason pod or whenever, but when you're a team that lacks star talent and you're built on the collective, your collective depth and all those different things, you need that like as much of that depth available for as long stretches as, as, as possible. And Nets haven't had that. Like Even though Lonnie and Ben are the only two real guys that are out right now, they still need those... They still need them back. Like, Ben can provide something defensively. His playmaking is good. His scoring is obviously, you know, another discussion. But, yeah, maybe Ben comes back after the Paris game, before the deadline, after the All-Star break. I don't know. I just, hopefully he's back soon. Maybe he can give this Nets team a jolt of something. I don't know. Uh, But, yeah, Lonnie Walker returning sooner rather than later is going to be a positive. uh, That's for sure as well. But... Yeah, I think I'll go to the break early, guys, and then after it, um, I'll get into some of the uh, Twitter questions. All right. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So... Thank you to every single person. I got more replies than I expected, but I'll, I'll get right to the top of it. 
Uh, Gonzo99 said, why shouldn't the Nets clean house and go young? Uh, I think the main stumbling block to that would be the fact that the Houston Rockets own, uh, sort of control the Nets draft capital and rights going forward, including this year. So that might be one little obstacle to that. I'm not saying that it's the the, the be-all and end-all. I just think, uh, look, N- Nick has advocated for this and I'm sort of coming around to that route as well. Uh, cleaning houses, that means DFS, see you later. Spencer, see you later. Royce, see you later. Clax, maybe even, see you later. And you go, let's get Jalen Wilson in there. Now, one thing I will also say about tonight's game, Jalen Wilson continues to prove that this dude is an NBA player, and he should be. And I think I've got a question about him that I'll get to in a little bit. Jalen Wilson has been one minor... Now, uh, no, not a minor bright spot. He's been one of the bigger bright spots of late during this. The doldrums of the, the Nets games as of late. So why shouldn't the Nets clean house and go young? I think that's a question for Sean Marks and, and Jacques Vaughn. I think more so for, for Sean Marks and got a few questions around trading and such. But I don't think it's going to happen because I think the Nets, are, because they don't own their own draft capital they obviously own phoenix here and there for for a while and different picks from from other teams and, and philadelphia i think is one of the other ones in there nick's a lot better with the the assets the nets do have but i think that's why and the nets are more more than likely gonna be around that sort of average team that wants to do well and have the vibes and have the culture because that's what Josiah alluded to in that quote that was you know brought to us by brian Windhorse after the departures of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving so if, if this is what jo- Joe Sy wants he's the owner he he ticks off on all the moves pays the checks etc etc that's then that's what we're gonna get and what we're gonna have to put up with so maybe that is what it is uh I'll get to the Jalen Wilson question and um Mike on Twitter at Mike underscore NYY said Jalen Wilson's ceiling is I think it was Brooklyn Nets 85 or, or might might have been someone else who alluded to Josh Hart as a, a ceiling for him. I think that Jalen Wilson's got a little bit more on-ball capabilities, but I think that sort of high-quality level role player, like decent starter, you know, at pick 51, like, that's one thing Sean Marks has always done well, or for the most part has done well, is he drafts pretty bloody well, but his hiring of coaches leaves a, a lot to be desired. But in saying that, on Jalen Wilson... Great rebounder. He's uh, got some more on-ball capabilities in terms of creating for himself, finishing around the rim, he and finishing from the mid-range. Even we saw a lot of that in the summer league. Seen a lot of that in the G League. He's an insane offensive rebounder. His like motor is like wild. Like I want to see this dude's beef test results. Like he he just runs and runs and runs, and he just doesn't lose that energy. So I think his ceiling is around that sort of high high-level role player, sort of starter. Um, but because we haven't seen extended stretches of him, you don't want to put limitations on that. It's sort of what I've said in the past about you know, Cam Thomas and, and these other sort of guys. Like, Let these guys work their things out. Let them make mistakes. Give them the opportunities. And look, go young. Going back to, to Gonzo99's question, Jalen Wilson deserves the opportunity to play for this team. Like, I'd rather see him get 15, 20 minutes a night than Royce O'Neal right now. But that, that's just plain and simple. 
Like, give this guy the reps. Let him play. Show us what he's got. He's a really good, really talented player. Obviously, a later sort of draft pick, given he spent a lot of time at college. I think he's 22, 23. But he's a, he's a hooper. Like, this dude is an NBA player, and he's providing something more enjoyable than the current malaise that is the Brooklyn Nets. So, yeah. Thanks for the question for that one, Mike. Uh, uh, Joe Martin at... at Joe underscore Martin, a 13, the, the chosen one. If you're the next GM, what moves would you make of this deadline? Now, the big rumor is around Donovan Mitchell. Now, we got a, a little bit of news around that from Mark Stein saying that the Knicks are unlikely to pursue that route. Are the Nets? Well, I think as I've said before, where there's smoke, there's fire. So I think the Nets and the Heat are probably your top two teams that are going to be clamoring after Donovan Mitchell's services. Does Donovan Mitchell make this team demonstrably better? He makes them better. I don't think he makes them that much better that you're giving up high-level assets. Now, you know, is that specific Phoenix picks? Is that whatever it might be? You know, I, I think, as I've said when Nick and I were talking about this when it comes to Donovan Mitchell, it's about what you're giving up and what you're getting in return. If it's like Spencer Dimwitty and a few parts here or there and not the best of draft capital... I think it's going to be on Donovan Mitchell to ask out and go, hey, I want to go to these two teams. And if it's only a bidding war between the Nets and the Heat, the Nets win that unless you know the, the Heat are willing to throw in a Harkes and, and maybe some really down the line sort of future stuff because Jimmy Butler's you know aging a little bit here or there. So other moves I'd make at the deadline. Look, I, I don't know why I keep thinking about this one, but I, I hark back because I think I've put it on... Uh, the buzz or on Twitter or whatever, wherever Royce O'Neal for at uh, Jonathan Kaminga or even Dorian Finney-Smith for Jonathan Kaminga maybe that's uh, reaching a little bit but it sort of leans into the going young route that was brought to us by Gonzo 99 but I'm a big fan of Jonathan Kaminga and I'm not sure how big of fans Golden the Golden State franchise is Steve Kerr and, and the rest of them but if those are the sort of young assets, you know, Isaac Okoro has been rumored to the Nets, you know, Zaya Williams, these sort of guys. If you are trading out DFS, Royce, Spencer, you need to get quality in return, whether that's in what the, the contract is of the guy that you're bringing in, or whether it's a high upside sort of guy like Jonathan Kaminga. Bleacher Report, I think, also tweeted out like Trey Young. You know, DeJounte Murray is, is, is around there as well. There's been rumors around him now. I'd be intrigued to hear both Nick's thoughts and many other Nets fans' thoughts around, you know, Mitchell v. Murray v. Young. Like, who would you prioritize there? I think Mitchell's the best player. I think Young's the best offensive player. And I think DeJounte Murray's the best two-way player, even though he's been pretty pitiful defensively. But I think that's a more product of the team than him individually. And maybe he'd bring something to the Nets. Now, obviously, that would mean maybe moving Cam Thomas. Now, I'm not a big advocate for that, but... Maybe that's just, we're seeing, we're reading the tea leaves, and that's what Jacques Vaughan and Sean Marks kind of want. I don't know, but yeah, there's plenty of moves to be made. Are the Nets buyers, are they sellers? I think they're stuck somewhere in between, because like Mikel Bridges, you know, the trades for him, four first rounders and every other asset, you know, I don't know if I want to trade Mikel Bridges when he is value is at its lowest cam johnson i think has been playing well of late but is he a guy you're throwing in a package and, and building something around in terms of uh, moving for one of those guys i alluded to in mitchell or whoever else there's moves to be made like is it 
Royce or DFS or both, Spencer. My priority, or, or Clax, as I, I sort of alluded to, my priority would be offloading Spencer Dinwiddie. Like, I just don't think this guy's giving the Nets anything, and I think he's hampering de- the development of Cam Thomas. Again, CT obsessed, call me what you will, but Spencer's been doing bugger all for the Nets of late, and I said that in the last pod too. Like, his efficiency, his playmaking, his shot selection has left a lot to be desired. I'll just say that. So, now, I if the Nets are going for a Mitchell and using that as a a building block to a bigger trade, then I'd retain a DFS because I think he's better than Royce or maybe you retain Royce because of that friendship and kinship. But I'd retain DFS because I think he's the ultimate sort of role player. I think his contract's better. Uh, and I think you offload Royce. So Royce, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Clax, because the way Darren Sharp's been playing lately, maybe you give him that opportunity. But yeah, I, I don't know. I think there's, there's plenty of moves to be made. Will they be made? Yeah, no, that remains to be seen. Uh, Cypher hit me up with a question uh, at Net Cypher. Is the goal of the Nets front office to win a championship or is it to just sell tickets so Cy can regain some of the money he lost? Now, speaking of tickets, uh, at Will Nets fan on Twitter actually posted the fact that the Nets attendance right now is 21st in the league. Above only the Rockets, the Thunder, the Hawks, the Suns, the Pelicans, the Grizzlies, the Hornets, and the Wizards. So they're not selling tickets. And... On that as well, via Nets Daily, the ratings for Yes have been down significantly. Uh, this is via Nets Daily. Multiple sources tell Nets Daily that TV ratings for Nets game on Yes Network quote way down this season, as much as forty percent said one source with Nets under five hundred and bereft of stars. So there needs to be a circuit breaker. That's what I think. I discussed that a little bit in the the DMs with uh, Nick. And we were just sort of saying, like, something has to change. We can't keep going down this route. Like, I, I said in the preseason, like, I don't want to be stuck in that middling purgatory that the Nets feel like they're currently in. There needs to be a semblance of change. Like, do you clean house and go young, like has been alluded to by a few people in my replies? Do you trade for Donovan Mitchell and, and look for that second star? Do something. Bench Spencer for Cam Thomas. That's what I would advocate for. But something needs to be done. Like, expecting better results while doing the same shit over and over again is the definition of of insanity. And the Nets, like, they feel like they're making their fans insane, the organization. So, look, the goal should always be championships. Josai wanted that initially by... Going after Kyrie, going after KD, the clean sweep, DeAndre Jordan, etc., etc. Now, it seems to me he's happy with the the manageability, the culture, the vibes of what we're currently at. But look, it, as it starts to hurt his pocket when it comes to people turning up to the games, when it comes to people tuning into to the games on TV, that's where he's like, okay, this is hurting my bottom line. And when you want to make billionaires hurt, you hurt their pockets because these guys are greedy as hell. And at the end of the day, this team is a business to them. How much does Joe Sy care about this team? I don't know, but he probably cares about his pockets and his money more than he cares about how many games this team wins. So make him hurt where he can. Stop buying the merch, all that sort of stuff. I can't remember the last time I bought a, a pair of Nets merch because I just, look, I want to support the players. I want to support the team, but... I don't know if I can support the overall direction of this organization right now. It feels a bit rudderless. So, yeah. In saying that, 
Hassan Iman, who always is a, a great listener and a great responder. Which net has improved the most this season? Could a players only meeting fix some of this team's issues like it did in the 18-19 season? Which joking do you see in the do you see the team going? Total rebuild or some mind moves at the deadline? Now, I think I've sort of answered a, a few things here or there. Look, a, 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 a players only meeting. I don't know what it achieves. Like I know that there might be some discontent after what Mikel Bridges said after that Bucks game. You know, obviously him being rested and not really agreeing with the decision of Sean Marks and or Jacques Vaughan. So, look, maybe like the players get together and that solves something because the on-court product is bereft of any sort of identity. And in terms of the direction, I just need a direction. Straight, backwards, forwards, diagonal. Like, it feels like the Nets are going like around and around in circles. And they just keep going back to the same point and just nothing is happening and nothing is changing. Pick a direction, go with it. And I'll at least go, oh, okay, I can see where they're kind of going with this. I don't necessarily, is it total rebuild? Like, yeah, go young, offload your assets, go for some young guys with high upside. Cool, do that. I'll support that. Even if the Neds don't have their own, control their own draft destiny going forward. I'll support that. If it means going after Donovan Mitchell and going after your second star, cool, I'll support that. Because it means that the Nets are going somewhere. Right now, we're going nowhere. Like, we're one of, we're one of those teams where no one cares about. Like, the Pistons are bad, but they're so bad that everyone was tuning in to see when they'd break that streak. We're like Washington Wizards bad. We're in that tier right now, Nets fans. And it's kind of crappy. Um, on more positive terms, which Nets improved the most this season? I would say Dayron Sharp. I've given... I've been critical of, of King Sharp in, in the past, but I've given him his flowers of late, and, and he deserves them because his rebounding is something that has always been elite from him, like the elite of the elite. Like He's the, literally like one of the best rebounders in the NBA, but it's still other parts of his game that have started to fill out. Defensively, that block on Zion Williamson tonight, as I alluded to, was one of the, the few highlights with the Nets, Nets have had of late, but I just think him as a stable presence, his energy... The intangibles that he's he's brought, he's shown that he's a, a a rotation big in the NBA going forward. Can he start? That's I think the next question for him. You know, can he play thirty plus minutes without getting into foul trouble? That's something that I said about him uh, in the past too. Now he didn't have any fouls tonight, but that's something that is correctable. So I think Darren Sharp is the guy for, to me that has improved the most. Now, if we're going across the rest of the the board, now I don't know if you can make an argument for many other guys. Now, Cam Thomas. I think has made growth in parts to his game, but I also don't think he's been given the chance to showcase that growth in a consistent enough fashion. Like there were games where you're like, damn, Cam's like making the right decisions. He's making the right passes here or there. He's making, he's driving really well. His shot selection is a lot better. So I would say Cam Thomas to an extent, but I would also say he he himself hasn't you know showcased that enough. And he also hasn't been given the chance to showcase it in the first place. So other than that, it's been nice watching Trenton Watford play. Lonnie Walker, I think, has been uh, a revelation. Uh, but And Cam Johnson, I think, this recent stretch with the Nets have been pretty paltry. Cam Johnson has been you know, really solid. I don't think he's necessarily improved a lot. I think he's just more gotten back to the consistent sort of ways that we saw you know, in the postseason and the latter points of, of last year for the Nets. DFS has shown a little bit of on-the-ball growth. Royce O'Neal is Royce O'Neal. Mikel Bridges has on it, yeah, has regressed because if you're talking about that sort of 20-30 game sample size from that we saw in 22-23, he's not there. So 
that's where he can get to and that's the growth if he can get back to even close to that like not necessarily the scoring but even the two-way play so yeah not a lot of growth unfortunately but there have been some minor things uh here and there uh matt's at matt cohen on twitter asks why does jv make no adjustments uh i don't know <laughs> I, I, I don't know like it it feels like we've got clapper 2.0 uh, in Jacques Vaughan, I, I just think that he's just not a very capable head coach. Like, really, I just don't think he's very capable in terms of the X's and O's of the game. I think he is a good personality manager. He's good in the locker room, good with that sort of you know, intangible stuff that doesn't that is part of coaching, but I think isn't the bread and butter of it. The bread and butter of it is like, the best coaches in the league, you know, your Eric Spolsters and, and everyone else, you know, your Mark Degnaults, these guys know how to coach basketball and they know how to run plays, they know how to run offensive sets, they know how to utilize the, the best parts of their team, offensive and defensive schemes here or there. Some of this on the players, uh, I don't discount that, but a lot of it is on JV as well. And he hasn't made an imprint on this team in terms of the identity offensively and defensively. And that's, that's like, that's pretty stark. The fact that this team has no identity. Like, that's pretty bloody awful. So, yeah. Why does he make no adjustments? I don't know if he has the capabilities to do so. I think he does in part, and he has shown that in part in terms of game to game. But I think overall, he's just not a good coach. He, he just isn't. Uh, Cypher asked another one, why do Nets fans and the Nets coaching staff hate Cam Thomas? Why do we hate him so much? It doesn't make sense. I think that there is... The answer to the Cam Thomas discussion is somewhere in the middle. Like, does he deserve to start? Probably. Should he have been relegated? Probably not. Is it the organization? I, I really like to get the truest assessment and truest opinions from Sean Marks and, and Jacques Vaughn of what they think about Cam Thomas, where his development lies, what is his future within the organization. But we're not going to get that. And I don't know... I, it'd be nice to hear it, but... Yeah, I think we're sort of seeing it with how they're treating him and how they're nurturing him or their lack of nurturing is 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 how it stands. Now Cam Thomas is awful tonight and you know he deserves he doesn't deserve any flowers for how he performed tonight, but yeah, his his trajectory as a Brooklyn net and, and within the NBA is is something that leaves a lot to be desired given how the Nets have have, have been you know growing him. Uh, at Doug Seltzer 5, how is Mark still the GM? Uh, because Joe Sy likes him. That's probably it. Like, I don't know what the other answer to the question is there. Like, Sean Marks has made... If we're, Look, we can do a whole billion episodes about Sean Marks' tenure as the Nets GM. Back to when he hiring Kenny Atkinson and bringing D'Angelo Russell and everything else in between and his drafting record, which has been pretty positive, but when in, it was in the KD Kyrie era, his ability to bring in players to support those players and, and the role players that were brought in and too many bigs, not enough bigs, too many guards, not enough guards, not enough wings. Uh, Marx isn't... I'll try and be as objective as I possibly can. I don't think he's a great GM. I don't think he's an awful GM. If we're like comparing Sean Marks and Jacques Vaughn as like... as at their jobs. Like Jacques Vaughn is a head coach, Sean Marks is a GM. I think Sean Marks is better as a GM than Jacques Vaughn is a head coach, but I think they're both average or below, like pretty easily. So yeah, and when it comes to sort of like hiring a new coach and bringing in a new coach, I think 
what we're seeing of late is maybe players just not playing for their coach and is, is Joe Sy going to hire a new one? Probably not, because as I alluded to, it means he's be paying Steve Nash. It means he'd be paying out Jacques Vaughan, who's contracted till 26, 27. And Joe Sy is would rather just like save his money than save us from the ineptitude that is Jacques Vaughan. And then giving Sean Marks the ability to hire another head coach, I just think would be like utterly like insane. Like he's hired Steve Nash. That was an abject failure, failure, elevating Jacques Vaughn from interim to head coach, abject failure, Kenny Atkinson was the best head coach over this tenure, and, you know, maybe looking back, you know, <laughs> the fact that we're clamoring after and, and looking whimsically at the days of Kenny Atkinson says a lot to where the, the, the organization is currently at, so, yeah, uh, let's get to a couple more guys before I end this one. Uh, at Manny underscore of the year. DFS for Giddy. Giddy stock is low. Could use a true lead ball handler and see Giddy as a reclamation project. Um, look, I've got plenty of opinions about Josh Giddy given everything that's happening off the court. But if you're looking at that as a vacuum trade, yeah, it makes some sense. I think Josh Giddy is like an offensive Ben Simmons. Like, and I think Ben Simmons is a better defender. So like, I don't... And having to pay... Josh Giddy in the future doesn't appeal to me as a Nets fan or if I was in the organization either. I just think DFS is a more quality player to fit around a team. Giddy might have more talent and might more have more upside. But yeah, look, that's maybe that's one of the moves that Shell Marks is looking into that Joe asked a, a bit earlier. But I'm not the biggest fan of it, partly because of the off-court stuff that's going on with Josh Giddy that... <sighs> Uh, yeah, that size should say it all. But a final one from Duggan at Starbase1999. How come we haven't had a big, big man since Brook Lopez? That guy's too skinny, sharps on the bigger, muscular side, but not a legit seven-footer. Now, yeah, fair question. I think that you know, Jared Allen, Nick Claxton, Daron Sharp, Brook Lopez, those are the, the, the big guys that the Nets have had over this current era. I don't think that that's going to make the... It, like, whether the Nets have, have gotten... You know, someone who's a bit taller, like Taco Fall or whatever. And it, I just think you just get the guys who are better. And I think the the centers have actually been pretty good. I don't. I think it's more about talent overall than than size. Size and talent, I think, is what matters in the current NBA. But uh, when it comes to the big man, I think Sean Marks has drafted pretty well in in, in getting these guys now. How long? How long is the future of any of those big guys for for the Nets when it comes to Claxton Sharp? Is Claxton going to get paid? Does, does he just continue rotating him out and finding more big men in the draft? Is that how Sean Marks views big men? I I don't think unless you have a a Jokic and Embiid, even a Towns, that like go, going for size over overall skill set and talent matters. But in saying that, you know the Nets rebounding has been better because I think of the scheme, but yeah, there's a there's a lot wrong with the Nets right now. There's not a lot right, but maybe we get the win tomorrow against the the Houston Rockets and it li- that that eases some of the frustration. But uh, appreciate all you guys for hitting me up with the questions. Appreciate as always everyone listening, despite the current streak that the Nets are currently on. As always, give the buzz a, a follow on all streaming platforms, a, a rating and review if you can, and stay with us, Nets world. We'll keep going.